What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. And today we've got a topic that I think both you and I are very interested in because we often talk about um, how how cheap we are. Right. Right. Well, I I talk about how cheap I am. Well, and it's on this side of the table as well, Ben. I I try to save money wherever I can. And I think if I were if I were a new car buyer or somebody that wanted to buy a brand new car, I would look for a deal, of course. I don't necessarily know if I would go for the cheapest new car. Okay. Necessarily, I'm especially after reading some of these reviews that I've read of these cars. But <laughs> right. But I would uh, I would definitely look for a deal because you know that thirty one thousand two hundred fifty two dollars for the uh, for the average car right. in the United States right now that seems a little bit excessive to me. So maybe a sweet spot somewhere in between. Yeah. Let's go ahead and reiterate that again. In a world where the average price of a new sedan, 2014 sedan or so, would be uh, just a little north of $30,000, we are exploring the other side of the pool here. Um, We've talked about the most expensive cars all the time, and now we're going to talk about the cheapest vehicles that you can buy brand new in the United States. Yeah, and we're going to follow along through uh, an article from Car and Driver, and Car and Driver started their list, number 10, Ben. So they count down and they get cheaper from here. Yeah. Number 10, and I won't tell you how cheap the number one car is yet. <laughs> number 10 is $15,515, and it only goes down from that point. And I'll tell you, though, yep. as I said, the reviews for these cars also kind of go down from this point as well. So the number <laughs> 10 car gets a pretty favorable review. There are others along the way that, you know, they say, well, actually, this is a pretty good deal. And the others that say this is absolutely not a deal. And then when we get down to the very bottom, uh, boy, they're not, uh, they're not too excited about what they found. No, that is true. Uh, we're talking about number 10, the Mazda 2 Sport. Mm-hmm. Now, the Mazda 2 Sport, of course, is not something you're going to take out on the track. Instead, it's just a daily driver. It's a good value when it comes to cost of gas and cost of ownership. Mazdas are, are, are pretty good cars. Mm-hmm. And 
It's, uh, it's, you know, I think I'm going to call it a city car, really, because I don't think this is a car that you want to be stuck driving really long distances for. And of course, that five, uh, the five speed is part of the reason that the price is so low. Yeah, not bad. Five speed. Yeah, five speed manual, right? That's the, yeah. uh, that's the standard option, I guess, on this. Now, if you want to go to an automatic, uh, which they say is no fun, uh, yeah. so that, that kind of saps all the power out of it. Now, it's only got a hundred horsepower, Ben. So it's a, a relatively, Small engine here. I'm not sure what the, uh, well, this one, I don't know if I know the, um, the displacement of the engine, but it says a meager 100 horsepower. Right. And, and it says that, you know, it's, it's, it's a very tossable car. It's fun to drive, you know, with the five speed, but if you go with the automatic, that's not the one you want. And also the, the profile of this car is very small. This is, this is made for, uh, really tight parking situations mm-hmm. so uh this is the epitome of a compact car yeah short wheelbase but that's the problem with this one the main problem they say is that it has a short wheelbase and it has a really bouncy ride when you're on any kind of rough road and right you know city driving i mean you're going to be going over potholes you're going to be going over speed bumps are those weird metal plates does anybody else have those i don't think so i think this is that's pretty unique to this area or at least to the southeast maybe okay uh but these uh these metal plates that they put over um areas that they're digging under the road the main road yeah or if there's a pothole and they don't feel as though they should fill it in immediately yeah that's i guess i've seen that happen too but you know the the main reason is that they, they're covering over an area that they're going to go back and work under again these huge metal plates but they have like a, it seems like a two inch lip on them yeah. that you hit and it's almost like hitting a curb when you hit these things. Right. And, uh, I'll be honest, buddy. I've seen some of those plates stay on the ground for a very long time. Yeah. I'd like to believe that they're for temporary construction. I know we're getting a little off the subject, but those things have some staying power. Well, you know, it's, it's better than blocking off that lane for a month. That is true. Because I think that's the alternative. And that's why yeah. in a busy city, they have to do something like that. But yeah. I've also seen them shift and people get their wheels stuck in them as well. So that's, uh, that's bad news. We're getting way off the topic Before here. Before but... we go to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just want to say, you know, uh, my, my dad was driving a Cadillac for a while. Yeah. Had no complaints. Uh, very nice car. Yeah. He ended up driving a Hyundai Sonata after that, mm-hmm. which is not, in my opinion, is not as nice no, as a Cadillac. No, Sonata is a pretty nice car. Sonata is a pretty nice car. Sonata is not the cheapest Hyundai, however. The cheapest Hyundai comes in at number nine, mm-hmm. right? Yep, the Hyundai Accent GLS sedan. Now, when we, uh, when we mention each one of these, we're going to be careful to mention the exact make and model because that uh, affects the price. That's exactly right. And I think that the, uh, the author here uh, from this car and driver article said that you know, if there's more than one version or more than one body style uh, of any given model, they mention the cheapest version of that of that model because yep. you know, th- let's say there are three different um, Hyundai Accent models, uh, they're going to go with the cheapest one on the on the list uh, just so that there's only one instead of you know having Hyundai take up spots number nine, eight, and seven. Right. Uh, so so they're going to be there's going to be some variety in this list. So it's not just you know all Hyundai as uh, as the top of the list here. Right. Because otherwise the list would get dominated by a few car makers. Exactly. And this one uh, this one you know comes in at fifteen thousand four hundred and fifty five dollars. So just slightly lower than the uh, the Mazda two right. Sport. Um, it's got lots of power options, which is really nice. I mean the standard equipment. So that's pretty good. Yep. Um, as I said, they're pretty favorable for the early on cars here. 
138 horsepower with a uh, 1.6 liter engine, and it has a six-speed manual transmission. Ben, I was right. surprised by that. Six and that's speed. and that's standard, yeah, which is cool. Now you can go an extra grand in, raise the price to sixteen thousand four hundred fifty-five uh, for an automatic that will also make your performance worse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So if you pay for an extra thousand dollars, you'll uh, you'll get worse performance out of the car. That doesn't seem too fair. Now, one thing that they mentioned here, and I, and this is. Kind of what they're saying this isn't, though. I, but I do want to point this out. This is so funny when I read this. It says the Accent GLS isn't a stripped-out penalty box. <laughs> they <laughs> right. call it a penalty box. And I think, you know, later we'll find out that some of the cars that you, right. as we get down to uh, 1, 2, and 3, those maybe could be considered penalty boxes that you're sitting in. The, the Hyundai also comes with that warranty, though. Yeah, a very nice warranty. In fact, uh, I think it has... Pretty awesome warranty. It's a yeah. 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Which you don't see all the time. No, definitely not. So that's uh, that's pretty strong. Now, other makers do offer something like that. But, again, on a car that's 15455 right? that's pretty rare. Uh, <laughs> okay. This next one uh, has a lot of bad press behind the name. Mm-hmm. It's true. Okay. Uh, the Toyota Yaris L three-door hatchback. Weighing in at $15,240 is yeah. number eight on our list. Yeah. Now I actually, I like the way this one looks. I, I kind of, I enjoy small cars. I like little hatchback designs, right? And this they is a, uh, I think this is a good hatchback design. The problem is it's not fast, but it is nimble. They say that, uh, the Yaris is, it has surprisingly good handling for, it, yeah, for the vehicle. I mean, for the, for the cost, I guess. Cause it weighs so little. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we've, we've seen other cars that are like that. I mean, yeah. I've driven um, Geo Metros before with three cylinders that you know seem yeah. seem to handle and drive pretty well because it's a small car. You know they were lightweight. They uh, they were pretty nimble. You could get in and out of traffic pretty easy. Um, they weren't the greatest handling cars by any no. means, but you know they they were pretty solid for the price. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think this is one of those cases. But they say that you know outside of um, you know not being so quick, they they're able to, you're able to get in and out of traffic pretty easy in the city if you wanted to. Right, yeah, and uh, let's see, do we already say it has 106 horsepower, 1.5 liter engine? Mm-hmm. So that that's part of the reason why you're not going to be um, burning rubber with this, but the handling, again, makes it a good car for the city, especially for the price. And they bring up something pretty interesting here at the end. They say uh, that yeah. the, the next generation Yaris, uh, which we're still waiting on here, but it will be coming out soon, it's going to be built on the same platform as the Mazda 2 was, the, you know, the, num- the car that came in yeah. number 10. Yeah. And I guess that's, uh, that's supposed to be happening at uh, Mazda's Mexico plant. And hopefully that's going to, uh, you know, help it share a few more key components that will make it maybe even a little better handling, maybe um, maybe a little quicker. Who knows? I don't know yeah. what they're going to do with the engine. Also might lower the cost of ownership in terms of repairs. Exactly right. Now, you know, we haven't really talked a whole lot about fuel economy at this point. Now, no, we haven't. But, uh, you know, and that doesn't come up all that often in this. And you would think that that would be a giant point they would be making in this. I think this is purely a list built on cost, on price. Only cost. And there's some more expensive vehicles that will get better fuel economy, oddly enough. Right. Yeah. I, that's a really good point, Scott. It's built on Upfront cost alone. So this isn't really counting title tag registration and this isn't counting cost of ownership no. either. And you'll find that even as we get lower in the list here, you know, some of the cars that you would expect would be, you know, your main focus of these would be like, well, it's, it's inexpensive. It gets great fuel mileage and that's all I care about. A lot of times you'll find that these cars are getting, you know, not relatively average or yeah, you could say not the best fuel economy. I guess some are in the, you know, the, the high twenties, low thirties for fuel mileage where, you know, if you go and spend another, 
uh, sounds pretty bad. You spend another $10,000 or something, right. you're going to up that considerably. Yeah. Because then you're getting into some of the hybrid platforms right. and some of the cars that are, you know, designed with, uh, better aerodynamics and just overall, uh, better characteristics for better mileage. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so that's why we're not really hitting on fuel economy for all of these. These are just simply based on price. Now, number seven on our list, Ben. Yeah. This is the first one to break the $15,000 mark. This one is, uh, the Chevrolet Sonic LS sedan. And it's $14,995. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the sad truth of the matter is that it will break 15 once you actually get the car out of the lot. What will you get for that car? Great question. You get 138 horsepower, four-cylinder engine, again, five-speed manual. Um, so it's competent in yeah. normal driving conditions. But it has... Weird standard features. Yeah, and loads of them, and really good ones, too, yeah. which is really nice about this, because for just under 15000 you know, initial cost, I guess, MSRP, right. uh, you're going to get a lot of really nice features in a small car. You're going to get remote keyless entry. You're going to get air conditioning. Ten airbags, Ben. There are ten airbags in this car, which is pretty remarkable, I guess, when you think about, you know, $15,000. And, you know, that was a big selling point, just for a car to have, you know, seat, um, rather airbags that were... You know, something beyond just the, uh, the, the front passenger airbags. Right. And now, I mean, this thing is loaded with airbags, 10 of them as a matter. Yeah, of it makes me wonder, uh, you can look up, of course, you can see a diagram of where interior airbags go out when they're not mm-hmm. just on a dash or, or a steering column. But, uh, my initial idea felt pretty goofy and I wasn't that wrong. <laughs> I wasn't no. that far off. No, exactly right. Yeah. And well, they say, well, the sedan is fine. There's a more versatile and attractive uh, five-door hatchback, which can be had for $600 more, uh, which bumps it up to, what, about uh, a little fifteen five something like that? Yeah. Uh, not so bad, really. And, again, I'm a hatchback fan, so that would probably be my pick over the sedan. But <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think hatchbacks are better, especially if you are ever going to be moving anything. True, so. but this just happens to be the lowest-priced Sonic LS is just the, uh, the, the sedan version. So that's what they went with. Now, I want to talk about number six before we get straight into it. Uh, the Ford Fiesta S sedan. Mm-hmm. That's next on our list. $14,925. I have to tell you, Scott, um, I used to hate Ford Fiestas. Did you really? Yeah. Hmm. This irritated me. No kidding. I- I'm in the opposite corner. I really? Love, I love Ford Fiestas. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a Festiva, which I, I really, really appreciated after a while. I wasn't crazy about it to, to begin with, but it seemed like that thing was getting 50 miles to the gallon. So what'd you, what'd you like about the Fiesta? I, I, I love the fuel economy of it. It was, uh, it was fun to drive. I mean, you'd never guess it looking at a Ford Festiva. Right. Cause I had a Festiva. There was a right. Fiesta and then there's a Festiva. And then later there was a Fiesta again. Yeah. I had the Festiva in the, I think it was in the early nineties. Right, right. And man, that car was a lot of fun. It was just, it was, it was economical. It was, uh, cheap to insure. Um, you know, power, nothing on it really. Everything was manual. It was, uh, it was just a, a load of fun to drive. It was a, a, a fun car to just take out in the country and throw around a little bit. Cause you know, I, I did some modification to it, obviously, you know, the wheels and tires and suspension yeah. and, a little bit of engine tweaking, but not a whole lot. And by the time I got rid of it, I had a partial roll cage in it. I had, um, wow. I know, I had all kinds of crazy you, put, you invested in Well, this. you know, it's funny. It was like 1990, it was uh, probably mid-90s when I was doing this, yeah, right? Yeah, 95, 96. It was pre, um, well, pre-Fast and Furious movie days, you know, <laughs> when uh, when uh, not a whole lot of people were doing like import modification right. tuning type stuff. I couldn't hardly find any parts for it. So oftentimes I was uh, kind of... 
piecing together things, you know, like uh, like brake coolers, and and I was trying to get like you know um, duct work from a dryer to uh, to go up to my intake, which I kind of yeah. had to cobble together as well. And uh, all that stuff really worked, and it was fun because I learned a lot while I was working on that particular That's impressive. car. So that car holds it kind of a special place in in my heart, I guess. And it was a lot of fun to to work on, and just fun to drive as well. So um, now this one though, these modern ones, I think they look pretty good. Do you? Do you? That's you, that's what been, I was going to say. Have you been swayed? I am. I am in the process of being swayed. Now I don't have anything against the Festivo, which, as you say, is pretty much the second iteration oh, ben, of the it's, Fiesta. It's too late, Ben. You've already said it. No, I stick by what I said. <laughs> I hate the first Fiestas. Really? Yes. Yeah, the boxy ones. Stem to stern, man. Oh man! Ben, don't see. name that thing like a party oh. after a party. Um, but this one is swaying me. This is a much, I think this, this is much more evolved body mm-hmm. design. And in fact, this car is one of the few cars that also got glowing reviews on this list. Uh, it is weighing in at, believe it or not, uh, only, did we already say? Yeah, 14,925. Yeah. And it's only 14,925, but it is also one of the 10 best cars Listed by the same blog which, for 2014, which is really cool. But but that's a that's an up uh, version of that's it. the it's upgraded. That's the ST ST, and that's considerably more money. That's like twenty two thousand two hundred twenty five bucks. Now, if you go with the S version of it, though, you still won't be disappointed because it still has what they say is sufficient sufficient pep is how they put it. Right, uh, has a five speed manual, which is which is good. So yeah. you know, one point six liter engine, one hundred twenty horsepower. It has pretty good looks. I mean, I, I like the design of the thing. I think it looks way better. I think it's a solid choice. I think this is a uh, a pretty good one. Now, if you go with um, um, there's a, a power shift dual clutch automatic that you can go with, and uh, even Car and Driver says that's really not a good choice to go with. It's an optional, you know, it's an upsell item, and uh, they say that you're better off sticking with the five speed manual in this case. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed 
my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Right. Or even better, if you can afford the if you can afford the cheddar, uh, move up to the ST because it has one hundred and ninety seven horsepower. Exactly. So you're paying for more power and you're paying for probably a few more power options really in that case. Right. I imagine also the the interior is a little bit different. I'll share a little bit. I mean, for for uh, I would think for about seven thousand bucks or eight thousand bucks, you're getting a significantly better vehicle, I guess. But um, I don't know if you're still talking about a cheap car. The Fiesta S is a solid, solid. Yeah, it's pick. a good choice. Yeah, it's it really a good choice. And I say that as someone who was uh, swayed by the newer generation. You know, Ben, not the older one. I have to say, I I love those older kind of boxy hatchback designs as well. Like you know, the old Golfs and Are you um, serious? Yeah, the GTI vehicles. Not I, doing it for me. Uh, man. And the Fiesta. I mean, I love those. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can agree to disagree on that one. We can agree to disagree, <laughs> but I uh, I think. Before we move on, it's time for us to pause and talk about something we can both agree about. All right. What's that? That is that we both love Netflix. Let's yeah. be honest. We both love movies. We both love movies. Who but, doesn't love a good movie? But the thing about the, uh, the the type of Netflix that we're talking about, we're talking about Instant Watcher. We're talking about movies that you can get on demand immediately whenever you want, wherever you want. Right. Yeah. And if you, know, if you can't uh, go to sleep... At 4.30 in the morning, and you say, you know what I want to watch? The Fast Lady? Then Netflix won't even judge you. You know what? I can't believe you just mentioned The Fast Lady. That was that's, You're reading my mind, man. Because oh, yeah? I'm going to tell you about a movie that hasn't impressed me with the number and type of vehicles in it since The Fast Lady, and I was going to specifically mention that today. So I'm glad you said it. All right. I'm going to tell you about The Fast and the Furious but the one from 1955. The original. The original from 1955. And, you know, I know I mentioned it earlier in this podcast because I was excited about talking about it already. Yeah. Now, this is from, again, 1955. There's no rating on this one. I don't know if that was before they did ratings or what. I'm not sure how it was rated. Um, I can just give you a quick summary, and then I want to get to the cars because these are fascinating. Okay. All right, so the summary is, a man wrongly imprisoned for murder breaks out of jail and he wants to clear his name, but with the police pursuing him, he's forced to take a beautiful young woman, who's, by the way, driving a fast sports car, um, hostage, and slip into a cross-border sports car race to try to make it to Mexico before the police get to him. We've all been there. <laughs> That's exactly. That's like your life story. Okay. <laughs> so the guy, whose name, his name is John Ireland. Now, this is the actor. And he plays a guy named Frank Webster. And that's the fugitive who's on the lam for this, uh, this murder frame-up. Right and on. there's Dorothy Malone. Uh, who was in a lot of different movies, by the way, and she plays uh, someone named Connie Adair. And Connie Adair is the Jaguar-driving woman who he holds hostage while trying to elude the police. Uh-huh. And, of course, you know, somewhere along the way in this, this big cross-country trip that they take, Frank and Connie end up tangled up in this romantic web, and that just adds to Frank's troubles along the way. So 
Um, he's trying to get away, trying to make it to Mexico, you know, via this cross country or the, the rather this cross border race. And if you understand what I'm talking about here, when I say a, a car race across the border in 1955, we're yeah. talking about some amazing, oh, yes, amazing sir. cars. Now, to begin with, Frank and Connie are driving in this 1953 Jaguar XK120 Roadster, which is in almost every scene, Ben. Almost every single scene. There's oh, that is beautiful. It's a fantastic looking car. It's, it's got the Brooklyn screen on just one side. Beautiful looking race car. It's a race car. And there's so many other cars in this film, and most of them are race cars as well. And I'll, I'll just quickly laundry list the cars. Not, not even the types and years and, or just, I'm rather not the years, but just the types. Okay. 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 And this should intrigue a lot of our listeners. Allard, Austin Healey, Cadillac, Chevrolet, Ford, a Glocker, Spider, Porsche, Harley Davidson, Jaguar, Curtis Craft, Maserati, MG, uh, Mercedes, Nash, Packard, Plymouth, Porsche, Singer, Studebaker, Sunbeam, Triumph, Volkswagen, Cestalia, Crosley, and it goes on and on from there. Ben. That's not the whole list. No, that's not the whole list because there's so many cars in these in this in this race that we go to or that we see in this, this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely incredible. It's really, really cool. I am going to watch this, and the good news is, listeners, you too can check this out on Netflix. Hey, but wait, guys, you might be saying in a weird voice that I'm doing, uh, I don't have Netflix. Don't worry. You can go to netflix.com forward slash car stuff, sign up today, and you will get a free 30-day trial of Netflix where you can watch not just the original Fast and the Furious, but what what else, Scott? Oh my gosh, there's well, there's hundreds of thousands of titles to choose from. So you know, you've got the, it's the world is your oyster, Ben. The maybe world is your oyster. Maybe that's the way to say it. But uh, thirty days, I mean, thirty days to download as many movies as you want. That's quite a deal. Go nuts! And uh, titles are subject to availability, but we check on these before we go on mm-hmm. air, and uh, we give some pretty solid recommendations. Uh, speaking of solid recommendations, I want to go to number five on our list. And number five is, uh, well, it's the Kia Rio LX sedan, and that mm-hmm. comes in at 14700 bucks, Ben. Yeah, uh, so this, the, the thing with Kias is, do you remember when the Kias first came out in the, in the U.S.? Yes. Let's be honest. They weren't the best cars. No. They weren't the most reliable. My, uh, my my family became you know my dad has a history of purposely buying things like geometros and and uh, Kias because he didn't have to he didn't have to put too much into it up front mm-hmm. and then also I hate to say it but in some cases they were they were a little bit disposable you know yeah. and then and he would cycle through these and then we get something nicer a little more upmarket like a uh, Cadillac yeah, he's working the system he's working this <laughs> he's got an angle for sure <laughs> he uh so he. He gets in trouble with my mother occasionally when she says, you know, you, you have to stop this weird thing you're doing. Stop buy, buying these cars. Uh, he eventually was forced to get rid of the Kia Cephia that he had purchased. Oh boy. He loved this car so much, man. I told you about this one. This is the one, uh, that has the nickname Lazarus. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Because okay. he, because he ran the engine down. He killed it and, um, he got a lot of mileage out of it. Um, it was hitting, uh, I can't remember, but it was, I think it was pl- 200 plus. Wow. And so he got the, he got a rebuilt engine put in and kept going he until brought my, it back to life. Until my mother put her foot down yeah. and said, <laughs> and said that, uh, said that, um, she didn't want him to have it. He had already placated her 
by buying her a really nice car mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that he could keep his – it was his lucky car. Nice. Was, oh, his lucky car. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I see. So he's uh, – again, he's working the system. He's working he's – so, got, He's got all the angles covered. So we've got – I've got to talk to him sometime to see how he feels about the Kia Rio because we know over time Kia has um, – Really improved its reputation. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're even offering a ten-year, one hundred thousand mile powertrain warranty, a lot like we saw with. Um, oh, what was the other one? The um, the Hyundai, right? Right. And uh, the key of the design is, as far as I'm concerned, the design of the hatchback. Now that we're talking about the sedan, but the hatchback is just one hundred dollars more. To be fair, right? Um, you and I are pretty pro. Um, Pro hatchback. Yeah. I would say it's worth a hundred bucks. I would say too. I mean, I really like the look of the hatchback and, and I'll tell you, they've got the, you know, distinctive look. They've got, um, great standard options, which weren't available before. I think it was a really bare bones stripped right. out car. Yeah. And now Kia is really starting to offer uh, some pretty nice, pretty nice extras. USB? And, and I don't mean extras. I mean, I'm talking like these are standard equipment. Yeah. 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 USB inputs, right? For yeah. auxiliary uh, devices. Satellite radio? What? S- satellite radio is pretty nice. Four-wheel disc brakes, um, air conditioning, and again, six-speed manual transmission, which I'm, I'm completely blown away by this. I had no idea until we looked at this list that some of these lower... Lower end vehicles, you know, fifteen thousand sub fifteen thousand right. yeah. dollar cars are offering a six speed manual transmission. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, that was the stuff that you know they they put on brand new Corvettes a long time ago, and that was a huge deal. Yeah, that's you know, a really it was, good point. It was definitely a big deal. Now, I mean, it's relatively powerful car as well. Mm-hmm. One hundred thirty eight pa- horsepower engine. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing is with with the weight again because this is a smaller car. Mm-hmm. One hundred thirty eight horsepower. It's not. It's not going to break the bank, but it's 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 still pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Mine, I think mine is like 163 or something like that, mm-hmm. and that's that's plenty. 138, it's not a whole lot less. And uh, I bet that this thing is a lot of fun to drive. I'm, I'm, it looks like a lot of fun to drive. I mean, it's a it's a well designed um, sedan and hatchback. We're talking about the sedan in this case, but right. um, again, 100 bucks more, you should just go for the. I've the seen some favorable reviews. I, yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think Car and Driver is pretty favorable of it as well, especially you know with the uh, the extras that they add. Now, one that they're not all that favorable about <laughs> then is num- yeah. number four on the list, and this is this is pretty remarkable. I would think it would be higher on the list as far as uh, I, I don't mean higher on the list dollar wise. I mean higher as far as the way that they would you know. You thought they would like it more. I thought they would praise it a little more than yeah. this, yeah. But nope. um, that's not the case. The Smart for 2 Pure version, the Pure model, is $14,020, and, man, just not that good, I guess. As they say, it may be the least value-laden proposition here. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty strong. Now, it has only 70 horsepower yep. from a 1-liter engine, so that's not really all that great. Now, we know that this car is all about economy and small size and being a city commuter car, but, um, man, I, they say that this is, uh, <laughs> what they say, the Smart for two is tied with the Mitsubishi Mirage, which yeah. is our next vehicle we're going to talk about, in the disappointment factor. So how do you how do you even follow that up? I mean, the disappointment factor, they're disappointed by this car. It used to be a car that everybody would say, like, this is great. This is a, yeah. a two-seater commuter car. This is exactly what we needed for city city driving. But that's the worst thing to hear, you know. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, it, you know why? It's because they're saying for what you get, 14000 is still too much. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but I, I'm kind of a fan of the way the smart car looks, and I, I've... You know, I've known people that have purchased these and never, I've never swear by them. them. Yeah, they say they're great. Now, I wonder if that's because they've stepped up from the pure model because the pure is the lowest 
version of I think smart. that's I believe that's what it is because the I've I myself have never sat in a pure um but you know smart cars are at this point where people love them or hate them there are very few people who are ambivalent mm-hmm. uh you heard about all the smart cars getting tipped over in San Francisco right True, yeah there's a gang of people who just dislike them that much mm-hmm. but it sounds like what people are saying or what the market is saying uh is that to maximize the advantages of buying a smart, you can't go with the bottom line model. Yeah, exactly. You step it up to the passion model, I think. Or right. there's one other one I can't remember off the tip of my uh, the, the top of my head, rather what what that is. But uh, you step up in in uh, in the smart for two category, and you get a considerably better vehicle and maybe a better value. I guess they're saying this isn't the greatest value, right? Um, even though it's you know it's relatively cheap at fourteen thousand bucks or just what over you fourteen thousand. Yeah. you're not really getting a whole lot for that. I mean, if you if you jump up just a little bit, at maybe a couple of thousand dollars more. Uh, which would have put it off this list. Right. Um, but you know, you get a considerably better vehicle for that. So that, well, I know that's what they're saying here. It's just, it's tough to read that, you know, they're not favorable to the smart for two when all along we've been thinking this is a pretty nice car, really. I mean, if you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It, it does what it's designed to do. But don't give up yet, because for even less money, you can get 
an equally disappointing, a slightly less disappointing car, yeah. the Mitsubishi Mirage. Yeah, so we just said, you know, they, they say it's uh, tied with the Smart for Two and the disappointment factor, but that's because this thing is, uh, it's woefully under underpowered, I guess. Maybe. Right, it has a three-cylinder. You know, uh, I, I'm glad I didn't mention it when we were talking about the Geo, but the three-cylinder arrangement has a definite effect on power. It does. It definitely does. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, the zero to 60 time, Ben. Yeah. It could be 10 seconds or more in this vehicle. So it's not something that you would feel very confident in, uh, in jumping out into traffic in. You know what I mean? Like turn, turn off your AC before you hit the hill. Yeah. And the, and the last thing that I want to talk about this one, just real briefly here, we can just mention this is that, you know, it, it costs $795 more than the Chevrolet Spark, but it has one less cylinder. And even uh, even fewer horsepower and ten fewer horsepower. So what are you paying for? <laughs> like the name? Well, well, that's the thing. I I can't figure that out in this one because they say this is a case of getting less for more, uh-huh. and and they they are outright saying that for thirteen seven ninety for the Mitsubishi Mirage DE model, this is not a deal. This is something that you want to <laughs> you want to walk away from. So you know, out of all of these, I think maybe so far that's been the harshest critique. Um, now we're coming up to the Chevrolet Spark, which is number two, the Chevrolet yeah. Spark LS hatchback, which we just mentioned, right? Uh, which is seven hundred ninety-five dollars less. Yeah, so it's twelve thousand nine hundred ninety-five bucks exactly. But you do get eighty-four horsepower, which again is ten up from the last one on our list, right? And that comes from a one-point-two-liter four-cylinder engine, which is a little bit better, right? Now they do say to stay away from the CVT, which is optional on this one, so that's something that you don't want to do. Oh, can I read one of my favorite parts of this list? Yeah, sure. you know what it's going to be. I, I think I know. Um, with a meager 84 horsepower on tap from its 1.2 liter four cylinder engine, the Sprite size Spark won't be winning any drag races and might even lose the foot traffic. Oh, that's not saying too much for this car, is it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Now there's six different models available of this car. Now I've, I looked into this a little bit on, uh, in Chevrolet's site and the LS hatchback is obviously the cheapest one at 12,995. You can go all the way up to about 16,400 for one of these. And then you get, you know, a little more power, a little, it's different configurations. So, right. um, be wary of what you're getting with the different models that you choose for this. But again, to make it on this list, they picked the LS hatchback at 12,995. And it says there's some good things here as well. They say that there's a, um, an attractive and well assembled interior, which is pretty nice to hear. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's good. It also has an excellent infotainment system if you strap, but only if you step up one trim level. So, for twelve nine ninety five, you're not going to get that. But if you step up one level out of the six that I mentioned, uh, you're getting a considerably better vehicle. And I think the step up to, uh, to the LT model, I believe, is the one, and it was like thirteen thousand nine hundred. So again, still relatively low priced, but um, I don't know. That's still... just the way they arranged this article. They want to have the lowest possible. Thing. Exactly, exactly. But they do want to mention some of the, the positive points if you're willing to spend just a tiny little bit more and still keep it still keep it inexpensive, right? Right. Yeah. And also, you know, people are already before we get to number one, listeners, you're already noticing the pattern here, which is that the smaller, specifically designed for urban environment vehicles, are dominating the list. Yeah. And there's there's an interesting thing here that I want to connect to one of our earlier conversations in in a podcast we had that recently came out about China's car rental mm-hmm. program. Yeah. Um we we can see that with the majority of human beings living in urban environments now, which is a mind-boggling statistic, uh people who normally could have never afforded a car are Closer and closer to the point where they can buy something, but only if it's 
much less expensive than we're used to in the West. Yeah, because they're accustomed to buying a uh, scooter and right. making making do with that and exactly. you know, having three or four people ride on that scooter in order to get to work, to school, to wherever they happen to have to go, to the market or something like that. Now, if you're able to sell them a a very, very low-priced sedan that's uh, that's brand new, yeah. of course they're going to make the jump over to a car because it's an enclosed area. It's some privacy. They're able to carry something. Uh, it's safer. It's much, much safer. Um, so, you know, we're getting down to the range here where somebody who has a scooter right now, a you know, relatively high-priced scooter, but, um, you know, where somebody could probably afford to step up to a sedan. Right. And, and we're going to see more of this. Scott, I think what we're looking at is the dawn of an age of cars that are cheaper than they've ever been before. You think so? I think, uh, it's possible. Know, I also, maybe wanna, not in the U.S. I also want to mention that there's that Elio that's kind of hanging out there. You know, the, uh, the Elio car that is supposed to be something like 6800 bucks that's on its way, supposedly. I haven't right. seen one yet. Yep. And it looks like when I go on the website, I still see a bunch of, uh, you know, artist renditions of what the thing's going to look like. And there are a few prototypes around. We did a podcast on this, didn't we? We've done a full Elio podcast. That's yeah. right. And yeah. uh, it's an interesting, interesting concept. And I, I sure hope it makes it because... I'd like to see it around town. Yeah, it could be a game changer if it comes out. The people that have been talking to me just outside of the office about this kind of stuff seem pretty excited in general. But, you know, people have been burned by car manufacturer ambitions before. Yeah. Um, I, I think though, I'd love, I'd love to do an update podcast. I would too. And I was talking just yesterday with Jonathan Strickland from Tech Stuff about uh-huh. this. And uh, I don't know if he had ever even heard about it before. I can't remember if he said he had or had not. Uh, but I was showing him some photographs of it, and he seemed pretty intrigued by it as well. And I don't, oh, yeah. think, I don't think he's a driver. Uh, it is It is true. Uh, Jonathan Strickland does not drive. No, he's a, he's a uh, public transportation user. Public transit, mm-hmm. pedestrian. Yep. Yep. That's, that's right. our boy. But, but uh, he seemed pretty excited by it, so we'll see what happens there. If they win him over. Yeah. That's, be... then the, that's the hard part. Exactly. So let's get to number one here because we're, we're talking about a relatively, well, not relatively. We're just talking about a cheap car here. Uh, yes. Uh, Noel, could we have a drum roll that somehow implies a cheap car? Yeah. That was perfect. That was perfect. All right. So we're talking about the cheapest new car sold in America, and that is the Nissan Versa 1.6 liter S sedan. And that is $12,800. That's it. $12,800 will get you a brand new Nissan Versa S sedan. It's the cheapest car sold new in America. Yeah. But, and that's the main thing it has. Yeah, going but it's on. it's cheap in every way. That's the problem. It's got <laughs> it's got 109 horsepower, which is really really weak. A 1.6 liter four cylinder engine, five speed manual, which isn't bad, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know it says here if you go with the optional CVT, you get slightly better mileage. Which this is again, this is the first time we're even talking about mileage. Uh, right now, the car only gets 34 miles per gallon. Otherwise, but if you go with the CVT. You might you might get forty miles per gallon on the highway, <laughs> right? Uh, also, they call it an Econo box, and they say that the only real advantage it has is the warranty. And uh, even buying the hatchback's not going to work because everybody remember when we said a hatchback option was one hundred dollars mm-hmm. on some other cars on yeah. our list? Yeah. This one is two thousand dollars. Yeah, so if you go up to uh, what fourteen thousand eight hundred bucks, which puts it a lot higher on this list, then um, still relatively cheap car. 
that's a, that's a lot of money to pay for for a hatchback option or hatchback version of the vehicle. I think this might be a situation where a lot of people would say, you know, again, this is all part of the the market wide push to make more affordable cars. But it might be an option where the people where most people will tell you, just keep keep your twelve thousand or keep your thirteen thousand and save up for a little bit more. Absolutely. And they also point out here that, you know, we mentioned the hatchback version, which is two thousand dollars more, and you would think that that would buy you a better vehicle, right? Right. Well, right here in the article it says the five door Versa note is the hatchback version and it's two thousand dollars more than its sedan corollary, which is this vehicle. But in this case, paying more for the hatch only means you'll get more cargo room, not a car that's two thousand dollars better. So you're not getting anything additional other than a different shape vehicle right and the ability to car- carry more cargo so which is which is nice i guess but is it really worth two thousand dollars to you at that point that's true i mean for this car i mean because they they really are they're really down on this car ben i mean they say that it 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 handles like it was on tippy toes uh the interior is a festival of poor design and material choice which i, I like the way that's worded but yeah man i mean you, have you ever been in a car that is just so cheap when you i mean you look at the door and it looks like uh, it's just one piece of molded plastic and there's no no detail, no style to it, no anything like that? Yes, I have. The Geo Metro. Oh, really? Okay. It looked like just a bunch of plastic that happened to get together and hang out on the interior of a car. Mm-hmm. It did not look cohesive. Yeah, there were places that, that just beg for different treatments, but because of you know production cost, it just it just wasn't there. Sure. And they just well they figured, well, let's just make it all one piece and mold it and maybe uh maybe it'll look like it had kind of a cutout in this area, but it really doesn't. It's just a pressed in place. This uh, first in place piece, rather. This is something I want to ask you no, no earlier. Mm-hmm. We were in a discussion, that's yeah. what we'll call it, about um, your favorite Fords. Oh, my Ford Festiva. All right, tell me, man, it, be honest, tell I'll, me about the interior. I'll be brutally honest, it was cheap. It was a cheap interior, it looked cheap, it felt cheap, but, you know, again, that was just part of the charm of the car, Ben, really. I mean, yeah. the seats were cheap, everything <laughs> was cheap about it, but, uh, but that is... Well, that's initially what drew me to the car because it was uh, so an economical choice. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I grew to love it. I mean, even though it was cheap all around, I mean, I guess it just made it that much sweeter when I stepped up to something that was a little better. Oh, okay. Because I went from that yeah. to a, I went from that to a Honda CRX SI. Oh, and okay. I loved the interior of that, and I wonder how much of that was just me being, uh, you know, clouded by the fact that I had this extremely cheap. Um, Ford Festiva prior to that, <laughs> but it was a nice interior. I mean, don't get me wrong, but um, maybe I was just thinking like, man, this is like the lap of luxury. You know, let's go ahead. If if it's okay, this is wrapping up our list. Um, unless, do you have any anything else? Yet? No, I don't think so. I think I, we're good. I want to add um, one question I want to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there vehicles on this list that you would recommend uh, buying? Or like, oh, okay, so we've got... We've got a lot of parents in the audience, mm-hmm. and one of the big questions that a lot of parents have for us is always, what sort of car should I get my kid? Yeah, first car. Right, first car. Yeah, or a car to take to college or something right, like that. Right, something like that, Something yeah. reliable to get back and forth uh, great distances oftentimes, right? Usually so often. So my personal pick out of this whole list would be the Ford uh, Fiesta S sedan. Yeah. I, that's the one I actually I like that one the best. I is think. it part of it because you have the experience uh, with the uh, Festiva? No, I think it's just because I like the looks of this one. It's got 120 horsepower. It's um, 
a five-speed manual. I just think this is maybe the, the best choice. And again, yeah. you can just step up just a little bit in that line and get a lot more. Yeah, I was going to say I, I would recommend stepping up to the, what is the ST? Well, that one's uh, like 22000 or 23000 or something like that. <sighs> yeah, but, I know. But still, that's a, I mean, boy, it's hard to say it, but even now, that's a that's a relatively affordable car. Yeah. Considering the, the median price is 31252 And that's only if you're buying new. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, buying used cars is a whole different bag of badgers. You can check out our podcast on that uh, by going to our website, carstuffshow.com. Well, Ben, you can't get out that easy. you got to take a pick. What's your, what's your pick for this whole list here? Oh man. I thought you were going to wrap us up here, but, uh, uh yeah. yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire <laughs> and ask you what, uh, what you think is best. I, I'm kind of tempted to say the, the smart for two also, but if you step up in the, in the, in the product line, no, you know, if you go the, for the passion or something. Oh, like that, okay. I was no. going to say the smart, the smart for two though. I, I don't think a smart car is the best choice if it's going to be a long commute. Ah, uh, good point. You know what I mean? You can't put more than, you know, one bag of groceries in the thing. Right, and uh man cannot live off one bag of groceries alone. I'll tell you, uh the Kia Rio is really doing something for me, yeah. probably for some of the same reasons. Okay. For first off, it has a warranty mm-hmm. which um which is excellent, especially for I'm I'm a little bit skeptical of buying all of these cars. So that's the ten year one hundred thousand mile. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh the only other one that has that is the Hyundai, I think. Yeah. And um I, I like the idea that it has uh, some USB stuff that would be good for a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and satellite radio sounds neat, but if you think about it, satellite radio is just sort of an opportunity to have another monthly cost mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. I would look at it. And that really sweet transmission, right? That manual transmission, six-speed manual, six. which is pretty nice. I mean, yeah. I've, I've never owned a car with a six-speed manual. I've never I've never driven this vehicle Um but I do know, since my family owned two Kia vehicles, um, or three if you count the return of Lazarus, um, he, he, my mom my mom didn't like them. Mm. But uh, but they they got better as they went along. So mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see what they do. Um, I would say either choice is pretty good, actually. The the Kia just being a little cheaper than the Fiesta. Okay. And um, you know, fair enough, Ben. Fair enough. That'll do. That'll do, Pig. That'll do. (laughs) That'll do, Ben. That'll do. Uh, All right. So let us know what you think. And uh, if these cars sound too expensive for you, uh, the last time I'll plug a different episode we've done, check out one of my favorite topics that we ever covered. The Tata Nano. Remember mm, that one, Scott? I do remember that one, yeah. That was a uh, an exceptionally cheap vehicle. Oh, yeah, in mm-hmm. every sense of the word. That was fun to do, too. It was fun. You can uh, find that along with all of our other podcasts on CarStuffShow.com. You can find us as CarStuffHSW on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always write to us directly with suggestions or feedback. Our address is CarStuff at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? 
Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.